Welcome to the Live Lucky Podcast, where we discuss the lucky strategies that bridge the gap between who you are and who you want to be. I'm your host, Blake Suzellis. Get ready to face the worst of yourself, shift your perspectives, deepen your love, and broaden your wisdom to live and lead others in a lucky life. Welcome back to the Live Lucky Podcast. And if you're new, thanks so much for joining us today, and hopefully you'll find this content really helpful. Uh, The other day, I was in a counseling session, and uh, we got on the topic of what does it mean to stand up for yourself? And uh, I just thought that this might be a really pertinent question to answer here. And so that's why I'm going to spend the whole day on, on this particular topic. So what does it mean to stand up for yourself? I mean, in our younger days, standing up for yourself oftentimes was a very physical type of engagement, you know, um, kind of asking or, you know, you get that question asked of you, you know, are you going to let them push you around or, you know, uh, you know, or, or similar questions like that. And so we tend to find ourselves in these situations where, we feel as though we've got to stand up for ourselves in a very physical way, which can lead to fighting, right? Um, and what you'll notice is, you know, some people continue to use this strategy even as they get older. Um, not usually the most helpful strategy uh, for the person in the fight, in instigating, or the other person. But in child therapy, we actually talked about this idea of keeping it safe. You know, it's so funny because, I mean, as a child therapist, I don't know if you know anybody who is one, but uh, if you do play therapy, you're constantly being attacked. (laughs) I can remember, you know, of course, being a male, I got a lot of the the young boys. And so, um, of course, you know, they were very aggressive and um, and so when we would engage in play, I mean, they would want to fight, you know, whether it was with play swords or, you know, or sometimes we would have, you know, a football or baseball or something, you know, soft, but they'd try to hurt me with it, right? And so um, this was a constant conversation as I was being attacked of, you know, we need to work on keeping it safe in here. Otherwise, we're not going to continue to play in the same manner. Um, but, uh, there were times where it was like, I was finding myself in a very physical way of, you know, if I'm being attacked with the, the sword, I'm going to make sure I defend myself in a way that it's like communicating to the, the, this very young child that, you know what, I can hold my own. So I had to get really good at fencing real quick as a child therapist, not something you would think about normally, um, But as part of this conversation of keeping it safe, we would often talk about what is our greatest weapon. Oftentimes as children, you know, in those very immature strategies, we think that our fists and our arms and our feet and our legs, those are our greatest weapons because it tends to be more of this physical reality for them where um, as we grow older and even with those younger children, teaching them that actually our voice is our greatest weapon. Um, 
I don't know if I've shared this story before, but I, I know if I have, I apologize. But uh, when I started working at an inpatient facility, uh, whereas working with, you know, the severely mentally ill who were coming in to get help because they were a danger to themselves or danger to other people. And so, I mean, thinking about taking that job, it was just there was some nervousness right, that I was going to be physically attacked. Um, But it really allowed me to get beyond that fear, that fear of that's the only way to keep myself safe is with my fists, with my feet. Um, Because what I found out is my voice actually was my greatest weapon, and I got to play that out in real time with individuals who are, like I said, a, a danger to themselves and others. Um, and it allowed me and taught, taught me how to hone that quote unquote weapon or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but using my voice in a way that kept it all safe, safe for me, safe for them, and allowed us to go deeper to actually reach healing too, not just safety. And so, um, so what is standing up for yourself mean as you mature? Like, what does that mean to use your voice instead of your your fists and your feet and, you know, weapons? Um, well, in with a lot of individuals, it looks like either passivity or aggressiveness, right? Even in our voice, you know, passive is where I used to be, uh, you know, as a younger adult, where I just kind of, you know what, I don't want any conflict. I'm just going to kind of just be quiet and, you know, uh, and it's easy to justify, you know, just not speaking your own truth and not, quote-unquote, standing up for yourself verbally, uh, especially when you are up against someone who is more aggressive, even just verbally, and I'm, I'm not talking physical here, but just someone who uses this verbal aggressiveness that is attacking, demeaning, right? Trying to tear you down. Um, and so it, what does that actually look like? It, it's really kind of, you know, passive versus aggressive. We could just kind of say leads to this us versus them mentality, you know, where we're kind of seeing ourselves as separate from everybody else in terms of I've got to protect myself against everybody else. You know, and um, if we take this a little bit deeper, you know, if we think about the ego, you know, it's this idea of I have to prove who I am, but more often I'm trying to prove who I am not. And I'm being attacked for who I am not. Um, but again, that whole, the whole idea is, you know, it's me against the world or me against them, us versus them, kind of a mentality, which is not a real helpful strategy to live in. I mean, what does that feel like? It feels like fear, constant fear. You know, you f- feel very unsafe, you know. Um, and of course, we've talked about in the past how, you know, when we feel unsafe, often we either go to over-controlling or avoiding. And what does that look like oftentimes? What does avoiding oftentimes look like is passivity. Over-controlling oftentimes looks as aggressiveness, right? And so you're seeing the these parallels all the way up the ladder here uh, when we're trying to use this 
fear-based strategy of passivity or aggressiveness. Um, but if you really knew who you were, then there's nothing really to prove. And I'm going to say it this way, there's nothing to prove to yourself. Because when we get in those situations where it's an us versus them type of a situation, we feel like we have to prove to ourselves who we are or who we are not. And so ultimately, once we can really step into who we want to be and we know who we are, there's no need to prove anything to anybody. Because you already know it. There's nothing to prove. Right? So what is a, a different strategy? What is that strategy that might take us away from this us versus them or fear-driven, passive versus aggressive uh, strategies and mentalities? What that looks like is assertiveness and interdependence. You know, assertiveness is more of the communication style, and interdependence is more of the relational strategy. Um, but it looks like knowing ourselves enough to go beyond fearing who we are not. I'm going to say that again. It looks like knowing ourselves enough to go beyond fearing who we are not. This is why I spend so much time talking about our identities, our I am statements, and really stepping into knowing who we are. You know, oftentimes, or Eric Erickson, he was a, a famous psychologist who created the, this uh, developmental process that we go through, or didn't create, he, he was kind of trying to understand it and put it into words. And uh, one of the identity fate or one of the phases developmental phases that he was talking about was oftentimes in adolescence or not oftentimes when we are adolescents we start this identity versus role confusion phase at least that's what Erickson called it and so it's this really trying to understand who I am not just in terms of internally but also externally in terms of who I am in my family and what's my role in my family, what's my role in society, all these things. And we're trying to work through that. And I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but it seems as though this stage has been lasting longer and longer um, for uh, the people in society now. I don't know. That's what I've noticed, that there's a lot of people who are not stepping into knowing who they are and, uh, and they're just confused about their role, about their identity. And once we can really step into who we want to be, it changes everything. Because when I know who I am, I can see others for who they are. And I don't have to take responsibility for them or their accusations of who I am or who I am not. Really what it's, it allows you to love them and not to fear them. Okay, that's what assertiveness and interdependence are. It allows you to love and not to fear. The, that is the biggest thing uh, that you can understand or take away from today. Um, if you really do want to love yourself and others, 
these other us versus them mentalities, the passive versus aggressiveness, I mean, none of those are leading with love, right? They're all fear-driven. And so just like all the other things we've talked about on this, this podcast, you know, those are not helpful strategies, the fear-driven ones. So how does assertiveness and interdependence help you to lead lucky? Well, like we said, you can then see beyond the strategies of the people that are below you, that you know, in terms of your team or your children that you're leading, that you're guiding, because you know who you are. I mean, think about if your team member or your child verbally attacks you, right? They're attacking who you are, your nature, what you did, or, you know, a mistake you made. When you can really use assertiveness and interdependence in that love strategy, you can see what is true and take away from it and learn from that. And you can see what is really about them fearing that they are not. It allows you to separate that. Okay, and these are some of the big topics. I mean, today is is a I mean it's it's so relevant to who we are as is um individuals. Um, but it's also the very things that we talk about in the Live Lucky Therapy too. So anyway, in closing, what is one thing you really want to take away from this episode today? And what are you going to do with it? You know, how are you going to shift maybe some of those fear-driven strategies and step into love and being able to use assertiveness and interdependence in a way that's helpful for you and others? All right, guys. Well, living lucky, as we know, is not living alone. If this was really helpful, please share it. You know, someone might need to hear this message today. And uh, we'd love to hear from you on any of the social platforms. I'm so glad that you're listening to us today. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and follow us so that you know when these the next episode is available. Um, and if you get a chance, please rate the podcast. Um, speaking of rating, if you've gotten my book or workbook on Amazon and actually started Live Lucky Therapy, please rate those as well. Um, that'll just make uh, it easier for other people to find. Um, guys, I so appreciate you. And I know I say that every time, but it's true. I really do. I appreciate each and every one of you listening and tuning in and, and receiving these messages that I bring to you guys. It allows me to continue to be who I want to be. And so thank you for creating that space for me, um, as I try to uh, just help you along in your own journey. All right, guys, well, I will look forward to discussing more about living lucky next time. All right. Have a great day, guys.